Good morning, church. Maybe it's too early. Good morning, church. Oh, much better. Um, I just want to show you the PowerPoint. Can you turn on the PowerPoint? How many of you know this DTR stand for? <laughs> I heard of this term about two or three years ago, and of course my family tried to explain to me what DTR means. Uh, young people, I'm sure you know that. Uh, old people like us. Uh, me, okay, not you, me. Old people like me, uh, I need some explanation what it is. And uh, of course, my two dogs surprised that I did not know that. And then uh, she, they told me that uh, define the relationship. And uh, when I was young, when I was a teenage, teenager or young adults, I think this question scares a lot of guys because... Uh, we, we, we like dating, you know, we like to have a girlfriend, but uh, we don't really want to commit to anything. So when the girl tried to sit us down and say, let's have a DTR, you know, we were just, the heart's pumping. Oh, no, please, you know, I don't really want to talk about it and, uh, you know, all these things. But today, it might not be just for the guys. I think it's uh, everybody has these uh, difficulties to have this talk. Because these days, you know, um, I, uh, I have a very young daughter, and she is a millennial. So, a few weeks ago, she told me that one of the fears is to knowing there's something better out there. A lot of anxiety for this younger generation is knowing something may be better out there, and they do not want to commit to anything. And... Um, I think this is also true today uh, to many of us. Uh, we would love to have, uh, you know, a loving relationship, but we don't want to commit to anyone, just like uh, we, you don't want to commit to a tree when you know there's a forest out there. And uh, how long can you just wait until eventually you have to pick up a tree? So uh, today, of course, I'm not going to ask you about your love life. Oh, in a sense, it is, because uh, I would like to ask you about this one. What is DTR now between Jesus and me? So, if I give you a couple minutes to think about it, so what is your relationship? So, if Jesus wants to sit down with you and ask you about, so what kind of relationship do we have? Are we just friends? Uh, are we just, you know, are we dating yet? Can you tell me? You know, the girls may ask. So they really want to know. So now I just want to ask you the same question, very similar questions, uh, may uh, make some of you nervous, you know, because that anxiety comes out, you know, uh, you know I don't really don't want to make that commitment. So if I ask you this question today, maybe uh, you, can, uh, you can think about it uh, when you get home. What is the relationship between Jesus and me? So for some, I think this will come down to like that. I want to have a relationship with Jesus with all the benefits, but none of the commitment. No strings attached arrangement where you can connect with him from time to time, but it doesn't really mess up with my life. And this is sometimes speaking for some of us and define this is, you know, I would love to have all the benefits of having Jesus in my life, but I don't want to commit to him. 
and I don't want to spend time with him as long as he can provide. When I'm lonely, he's there. When I'm in trouble, he's there. That would be wonderful. In other words, you heard me say that before, and uh, we might be just a fan of Jesus, but we are not really a follower of Jesus. So today, I just want to go back to uh, Luke chapter 9. Now, let's go back to Jesus' time. Uh, when you go back to Luke, the conversation Jesus had with his disciples, let's go back to Luke chapter 9, and you will see that in Jesus' time, he was already quite popular by then, because if you look at Luke, this conversation it was written right after, or recorded right after feeding the 5,000. But if you look at Matthew and Mark, and it was a later time in this, uh, the, having this conversation. Actually, from, the, uh, from that two books, Matthew and Mark, uh, this conversation took place right after, not right after, after feeding the 5,000 or even feeding the 4,000. So it was a little bit later time. And uh, by then, Jesus was already very popular. And uh, according to those two books, or even John, the time that I have this conversation, actually, they were on their way to this place. They were going up, and uh, during that journey, or maybe they arrived already, or they were on their way. So Jesus was asking his disciples. Remember, by then, Jesus was already very popular. He had a lot of fans. He had a lot of people following him. That's why he was feeding 5,000, 4,000. If I, I said if he has an Instagram, that would be he will have a lot, a lot, a lot of followers, and people will know where he was going, and people will try to catch him because they would like to hear from him. They would like to be healed. They would like to, you know, the demons can be cast out. All those benefits. So a lot of people want to follow Jesus in that sense because they can get something from him. So because of that, Jesus finally had this conversation with his disciples. Verse 18. So he was asking them, uh, who do the crowd say I am? So after a period of time, everywhere he goes, tons of people trying to get close to him. And they actually literally following him. But what was the attitude? What was the determination? Or what was the motive of following Jesus? So at the end, Jesus was have, you know, having this conversation with his disciples and asking them, who do the crowd say I am? Then you say verse 19, they said maybe uh, Baptist, maybe uh, Elisha, prophets, all those things. So you see, people did not see him yet. They followed him, but they did not really know who he was. They see what Jesus could do for them. The reason they were following Jesus was to get something from Him, some benefits from Him, but they don't really know Him. Maybe some of us are doing the same thing today. So, they were following Jesus, and that was the answer, and, uh, but, verse but verse 20, but what about you? What about you, brothers and sisters, sitting right here? If Jesus asks you, what about you? Do you know who I am when Jesus asks you? 
Well, Peter, as always, was the first one to speak and says, God's Messiah, you know, you are the Christ of God. And then Jesus strictly warned them not to tell this to anyone. And then we will come down to verse 22, 23, and 24. The, now it's come to the very important questions and conversation that Jesus was asking them. You see, Jesus really wants to know the people that are following him. Are they just his fans or his followers, the genuine followers of Jesus. And um, today we will look, look at uh, verse 22, verse 23, and then Jesus first talked about the prediction of his death, and uh, every single word, verse 22, I think the disciples understood except the last two or three uh, words, be raised to life, the third day. That, they might not be understand what, what, what Jesus was talking about. So Jesus was talking about how he would suffer and die, and then he talked about the cause of being a disciple. So the conversation, you have to look at 22, 23, 24 together, then you will see the picture, what Jesus was asking his disciples, his followers. What, do you, what does it mean to really, truly to be his followers? And he wants to present it to them, starting verse 22, talking about his own death, the coming death, because of what he has done and what he's going to do and why he was doing that. And then verse 23 is like an invitation. If you want to be my followers, you have to, do, to be like that, be ready for that. And verse 24, and said that, make a choice. Make a choice. Because the consequences will be different, the choice that you make. So today I have three points I want to share with you. Um, the first one is uh, deny yourself, verse 23, the most important verse here. And I would like to spend the rest of the time with you on verse 23. Then he said to them all, whoever, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves. If you look at a different version of the uh, Bible, um, majority will say, if you want to be my disciple, then you do this. But if you look at the Greek, the original language, I, I, I looked at it yesterday. Jesus said, actually, whoever comes after me, it's very interesting. He did not say that whoever wants to be my disciple, then you have to deny yourself, uh, pick up the cross, and then follow me. He said, whoever comes after me. That's interesting. Because if you look at the English version, you know, come after me, meaning what? Chasing after you? So whoever is chasing after him, if anyone wants to chase after me, uh, this is my translation, okay, so if you, don't, if you don't like it, it's fine, look at your Bible. But uh, I look up the words, come after me, in dictionary, meaning you're chasing someone for some purpose. So I think Jesus used this instead of, if anyone wants to be my disciple. In, in, his, in the original language. Because there's two, at least, possibilities when he said, come after me. What is your motivation to chase after him? At least two. You may have three and four. I think the reason he's saying that, because actually he was thinking about at least two kinds of people chasing after him. One is just being 
his fan. I just want anything that you are good at, you know, can help me out today, fan, you know, because the people that we follow can give us entertainment, you know, they are good looking, so we, we, we want to follow them, all those things. So when Jesus said, come after me, so he was saying, everybody chasing after him, what was the actual motive? One is just being a fan. One is truly a follower, wanting to be his follower. That's why he used these uh, words, chase after me. He, den- he must deny himself. You see, uh, the word deny himself uh, is very hard for us to accept because it is going against our uh, sinful nature. Because I'm sure you have heard people commenting you or myself, or you have heard people commenting someone, or you actually commenting somebody, say you are full of yourself. What does it mean? You are full of yourself, meaning that you are so self-centered, you are so selfish, you are just looking out for your own interests. Everything is about me, 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 so you are full of yourself. And it's our human nature, our human sinful nature that we look out for ourselves, we, 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 we put ourselves the most important. We are the u- center of the universe. We are the center of all the relationships we have. And we say, and people will say, you are full of yourself. And, but Jesus said, deny yourself. Well, a lot of people think, uh, what, what, what does it mean, deny myself? You know, uh, there's two wrong concepts that I want to show to you first of, to start with. It's not about your guilt. A lot of people try to say, oh, deny myself, meaning that because I have a lot of guilt, I have a lot of sins, so, you know, I have to compensate all the sins I have done, so I need to deny myself. I need to beat up myself, you know, in order to gain, uh, you know, a favor from God or all those things. No, this is not what it means, deny myself. It's not about your guilt coming out from sin. The second one is not about, you know, um, life it must be very difficult. God created us to have tough life. So, deny myself is just natural. God wants us to be, you know, a lot of time miserable. No, it's not. Look at the creation for us to enjoy. So, it's not what, you, what the motive of, you know, deny myself, the meaning is not like that at all. So, if you look at the words, uh, if you are uh, uh, using the word ignore, maybe easier. We must, you, he must ignore himself. i give you an example. There are two uh, brothers. Their parents passed away. So, uh, two brothers. Uh, one is uh, doing quite well. The other one is not. So, when parents pass away, they have uh, possessions, they have properties. And uh, the one that who, who is doing quite well, thinking maybe I should not share the whatever our parents leave behind. So he denied his right and give it to all to his brother who is not doing quite well. Deny for the benefit of others. So 
But it's very difficult. As I said, it's against our sinful nature. When you are full of so, so much full of yourself, like this one, this cup, I was thinking about how, how, how do I explain this? What it means to deny myself. When you are so full of yourself, just like this glass of water, it's full. There's no more room. If oil represents the Holy Spirit, you know, you want to put oil into this glass, you'll be on top of the water. And there's only so much little space for the Holy Spirit to come into our lives until the glass is getting empty to the point that it's completely like deny myself and the Holy Spirit can come in. But a lot of time, we leave so little space for God. And most of the time, we are the master of our destiny. We want to be in control. We, we, we don't understand what it means, actually. We are very fearful to let go and say, I'm not in control, and I, I allow God to take control. What does it mean? Very scary. But this is exactly what Jesus is asking his disciples. We need to not full of ourselves, but full of the dwelling of the Holy Spirit. But this is what Jesus is asking. The first verb he's asking us to do is uh, deny. It's a verb, deny myself. Do not claim your rights. Do not claim something that you think is supposed to be yours for the sake of others. You see, what all these verbs Jesus is asking us to do, he has done it. So I just want to put it out there first. Jesus has done it. So he's not asking you and me doing something that he has not done it before. So he denied himself too. That's why he was dying on the cross for us. So that's what the first thing he was asking us, this cup, would you allow God to come in? How much he would have control is all determined how much you are willing to let go. He's not going to force in his oil on top of the water. The, one, the first one will be spilled out and get out is him. If you do not allow him or if you do not give him space. So Jesus is asking us, the first step is to deny yourself and myself. It's important because if you do not do that, the, the, the next two verbs, you won't be able to do it. Seriously, we will not be able to do it without this one. What Jesus is asking us or telling us to do is instead of having chasing happiness, you know, because if we are full of ourselves, we are going after happiness. Jesus is 
telling us instead of having happiness, he would love to have us having joy in our life. They are not the same. We are chasing happiness. He, in return, offers us joy for our life. Second one, take up. Take up the cross. Well, in Jesus' day, when the disciples heard the word, the cross, you have to bear the cross, you know what that means to them? Death, suffering, a lot of pain, a lot of shame, because you will be naked, nailed on the cross, just like what Jesus was. When they heard the term, you have to bear the cross to them, it was just awful. They saw it with their own eyes when people were uh, crucified on the cross. They saw it. We We never see it in our lives in real life. So to them, this word, this term, take up the cross, is a very scary thing for them. But you see, Jesus is not asking us to wear a cross. He's asking us to bear our cross, your cross, my cross. Not his, yours. Not to just wear a cross. I, I wear one too when I was a teenager. Looks cool. Not anymore, to me at least. He's not asking us to wear a cross. You know, I'm a Christian, you see. I wear a cross. He asks us to bear our cross. A lot of time, I think we, being a fan of Jesus, we choose whatever is good for us to listen to, the Bible. You know, all the blessings, promises, we, we try to remember them, we try to claim them, but when Jesus asks us to be like his followers, bear the cross, deny ourselves, we say, oh, it uh, doesn't work for me, it's too difficult, I heard so many times, brothers and sisters, we say, Pastor, this, this is so difficult. It is so difficult, you know, uh, give me a lifetime uh, not to do it, actually, what they were saying. It is difficult. It's hard to swallow when the disciples first heard the term bear the cross daily, not just on weekends. Brothers and sisters, we love to be Christians on Sunday. We love to be Christians on Saturday. But Monday to Friday, let me be myself. So Jesus clearly put the word daily here, bear the cross. So I try to summarize uh, Take up one's cross. I try to summarize what Jesus has done. The whole process, incarnation, saying that I just do God's will, I'm not here to do my will, I only speak what God wants me to speak, and at the end he obeyed and he died on the cross, he was raised the third day, so deny one's desire. So I just try to summarize when he said that bear our cross daily. So you have to deny your desire. That's why the first one is deny yourself, myself. Deny one's desires in order to fully obey the will of God. That's what he did. And to faithfully accomplish the mission of God. That's what he did on the cross. 
And I think I try to summarize. You don't like it, fine. But I try to summarize the whole thing, what, what Jesus had gone through when he bare his cross on our behalf. Deny one's desire in order to fully obey the will of God. That's what he did, as I said, and fully accomplished, faithfully accomplished. And I think this is what Jesus asked us to do daily, brothers and sisters, not Sunday only. And Paul was a good example of what it means to completely deny him, himself and then completely follow Jesus. Galatians chapter 2, verse 20, My old self has been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live. Deny himself, but Christ lives in me. Allow him to come into my life. So I live in, the, in this earthly body by trusting in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. And this is the motivation, the reason why we were doing that, because of God's love. So the third one, the last one, follow me. Because we cannot just say, bear the cross without actually following Jesus. In Jesus' time, again, when you are five or six years old, you will go to school and study, uh, study the law. So for some years, you will faithfully, you're a guy or girl, it doesn't matter, uh, starting age six, you're going to school. By 13, 14, uh, you're done, basically, just like elementary school, and uh, you're graduating. So you have a very good grades, you are very good, you have an insight of the law or something like that, you got promoted. <laughs> you can go to further, and your parents are so proud of you, and uh, because your good grades, your next step is supposed to be to find a rabbi that you can follow. So a lot of people will try to follow and apply and say, can I follow you, can I learn from you? Especially those are so-called popular rabbis. Many of them will not be chosen. Some will be uh, chosen, and uh, they will literally, starting from 13 or 14 years old, they will literally live with his or her rabbi. Every day, not just learning what he knows, but actually learn his values, his, how he relates to people, not just skill, but philosophy, the devotion to God. He learned everything. And the time he's leaving home, his parents will say something like that. His parents will say something like that something like that to his son when he's prepared to leave for his rabbis. May you be covered in the dust of your rabbis. You know what that means? It's very easy to understand. In Jesus' day, everywhere is dusty. There's no paved road. There's a wilderness, a lot of sand. So when you are following someone so close, very close. Then you will get some dust from your rabbi because you literally follow right behind him. So the meaning is, may you be covered in the dust of your rabbi, meaning that you will be very, uh, getting very close to your rabbis and learn everything you can from him. Everything. You know, to learn everything from him, you have to be very, very, very close to him. May you be covered in the dust of your rabbi. 
Today, we will say, may you be, may you or may I not be covered in the dust of Jesus. <laughs> the way we follow Jesus is far away. Maybe two miles away. But this is what Jesus means. The disciple understood when, he, when Jesus said, follow me, you know. He understood what, what he was asking. May you be covered in the dust of your rabbis. This is what he was talking about. We have to get very close to Jesus. You know, to be his disciple, genuine, real disciple. Remember Jesus said, whoever come after me, either you are just a fan try to get benefit from him without committing anything, or really considering to be his disciples. If you are that group of people, then he said, do these three things. Deny yourself, take up the cross daily, and actually follow me closely. If I can, I will add a commentary and say, follow me closely, not two miles away in case Jesus see you. But before I close, I give you something to think about. So take home. Is Jesus the center of your world or you? I'm full of myself. Or he is the center of your world. Who am I living for? Who am I living for? Many of us are still young. Good question. Some are more mature. It's not late. It's not too late to ask these questions. Who am I living for? The third one, whose footsteps are you following in? Whose footsteps? Money, property, success, career. Are you following those? Or you are following Jesus? So close. His dust is on us. Let's pray. Father, I want to give you thanks for these very tough questions Jesus was asking his disciples. Many people, many, many people came to Jesus with different motivation, different needs. Just like the disciple described, many people following Jesus, they did not know who he really was. They just want benefits. They just want something they can get from Jesus. But Jesus did not want a lot of people. He wants people who will commit to him and truly deny ourselves, pick up our own cross daily, and literally follow you closely. These are the people Jesus was talking about. He was not here to draw a lot of attentions 
so that people love him, like him, and he feel good about it. He was looking for true disciples, true followers of Jesus Christ. Lord, these questions today is in our hearts, in our mind. Why are we here? What is the purpose of living? Who am I following in? Living day and day, working hard, looking after a family. Ultimately, what is our relationship with you? We really need to figure this out. Am I just a fan, or am I truly a follower of Jesus Christ? Lord, we thank you and pray in Jesus' name. Amen.